Welcome back to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Let me wish you a Merry Christmas on this beautiful Friday episode as we count down the top 10 episodes from 2021. This is Pastor Adam with you once again, and we have another amazing sermon for you today. This one goes back to 2012 sermon preached in a men's discipleship by the leader of our fellowship, Pastor Greg Mitchell. And while this was directed at men, this no doubt will have incredible wisdom, insight, and direction, and conviction, by the way, for anyone who listens to it. The title of this message is Wearing the Pants, and you want to open up your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 14. We hope you enjoy this message and wish you and your family a wonderful time preparing for Christmas. God bless and enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. What? What a sight. A building filled with men. Thank God for all of you that are here and uh, ready to hear from God. 1 Samuel chapter 14. A patient in a hospital, uh, he spilled a, a cup of water on the floor beside his bed. He was afraid he might slip on the water if he got out of bed, so he asked a nurse's aide, can you mop this up? But the hospital policy said that small spills are the responsibilities of nurses' aides, and large spills have to be mopped up by housekeeping. So the nurse's aide said, no, that's a large spill, and called housekeeping. He said, it's not my responsibility. Housekeeper came, looked at the puddle, and said, no, that's a small spill. That's not my responsibility. And so they started arguing, that's a big spill. Not my responsibility. No, that's not my. Finally, the patient, after listening for a few minutes, he grabbed the pitcher, and he poured it all on the floor. He said, now is it big enough for somebody to take responsibility? (laughs) The world is waiting for someone to take responsibility. Actually, the world is waiting for men to take responsibility. The scripture that we're going to read, you can read the whole chapter in your own time. We'll skip through. It shows us the contrast of what happens when men don't take responsibility and what happens when men will take responsibility. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, Wearing the Pants, which is taking responsibility. 1 Samuel 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, Uh, said to the young man that bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. (coughs) That's on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people that were with him 
were about 600 men. Skip through the story to verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man that bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Verse 13. The Bible says in verse 13, Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. They fell before Jonathan, and he came after him. As he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within a half acre of land. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earthquake, so that it was a very great trembling, wearing the the pants, or taking responsibility. I want to talk about the responsibility gap. The great question as we're in in the company of men is this question, what makes a man? What makes you a man? And I'm not talking about your equipment. I'm talking about in reality. Because, of course, there are wrong ideas about manhood. We have violence as a standard. Don't, don't tell me how you whip five bikers in a bar. That's not manhood. It's not sexual conquests of keeping scores about how many women are after you or you've had. It's not money or possessions of what you drive. Do you know you can be a wimp with a nice car? It's not a title or a position. In our scripture, Saul has the title of king, but he's not a man. God shows us in the Bible what is the pattern for manhood, and he shows that when he made the first man, Adam. Genesis 2.15, then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Look at this. Before Adam ever had a rule... Before he ever had a fight, or a possession, or a title, he had a responsibility. Tend and keep it, because the essence of manhood is responsibility. To be responsible means that you are answerable or accountable for something within your power, control, or management. It means that you are chargeable as being the author, cause, or occasion of something. In other words, when you are responsible, what happens is up to you. That is what manhood is all about. Now, children don't have this. Babies don't have this because they're not responsible. I have a six-month-old grandson. And uh, all he does in life is eat, sleep, smile, and mess his pants. His parents are not saying, when are you going to start contributing to the house? (laughs) Because he's a baby. You see this. Parents bring in children into into church. I'll see them, and I'm trying to get a smile out of them. And they're, they're cranky. And what is it that the parents always say? He's tired. 
And we let children get away with that because they're not responsible, but men are responsible. There are things expected of you if you're a man, and you will be held accountable. Men have jobs. Unless you still live with mama. They go to the job every day. Even if they don't feel like it. Even if the job is not rewarding, men have jobs. When you're responsible, you pay your bills. (laughs) That's novel to some of you, isn't it? (laughs) Marriage involves responsibility. Not by announcing that you're in charge, but by taking responsibility to meet the needs of your wife and to make her feel confident in life. That is your responsibility. You have responsibility for your children, for ministry, for your relationship with God. That's your responsibility. Galatians 6.5, for every man shall bear his own burden. And that is a word picture. This is a Roman soldier that he had a pack, like a backpack or a knapsack of his own equipment. Said, you've got to carry that for yourself. Frustrates me. There are people, they have great problems in their life, but they won't read the Bible themselves. Pastor, what should I do? They won't pray. Men are responsible. See, responsibility always impacts other people. It's interesting, the Bible order is that God gave Adam responsibility, and then he gave him a wife. The responsibility came first. Then he gave him a wife. Why? Because responsibility affects other people. It's not just you. In our scripture, Saul is the king. He is responsible for the whole nation. Kings had scepters. A scepter is a fancy shepherd's rod. Because there was a symbol or a picture, the king is responsible for the nation. But in our scripture, Saul is putting his own son at risk. He's putting his men at risk because responsibility affects other people. Achan, he will not take responsibility for obedience. And the Bible says 38 men die and the entire nation is defeated. The will of God is stopped and the blessing of God stops because responsibility always impacts other people. The problem is that men don't want to be responsible. They want to live irresponsible life. When you put IR in front of responsible, it means not. They want to live as though they are not responsible. They are not answerable or accountable. There are men that don't want to work. They don't want to raise the children that they have created. They want the benefits of marriage, but they want to live like single men. 
They don't want to work at their marriage. They don't want to give the, the effort in communication, in attention and forgiveness. They don't want to be responsible. And the problem is irresponsibility is celebrated in our society. There are songs, song books, written movies made that glorify irresponsibility. Who do they put on the screen or sing about? Players. A player is a wimp who can't make one woman happy. Celebrated, they left their unfulfilling marriage and their children to find their soul mate. We resent anyone challenging our irresponsibility. Listen, we're Americans. We have rights. I have the right to live my life the way I want to. How dare you challenge me? I'm offended. How dare you expect anything of me? Not only do men not want to take responsibility, we allow others to get away with their irresponsibility. We live in a nation where we allow public figures to commit crimes and abuse people and then say, that's my private business. We let politicians make non-apologies like, I apologize if I offended anybody. Of course you offended somebody. That's why you're having a press conference. (laughs) I apologize if anyone misperceived my words. Then we have enablers. Parents can be terrible enablers, can't they? My son would never do something like that. How is it that the only people in the world who had evil children were my parents? Right? When I was growing up, if anybody ever said, uh, Mr. Mitchell, there's a problem, he said, Greg. Anyway, he didn't let him finish. <coughs> but these days, it's like my son, my daughter, they would, they would never. You're in jail? Well, of course we'll bail you out, Honey? I'm sure you were framed. (laughs) What? You've overspent? You haven't disciplined yourself financially? Well, of course we'll pay, pay, pay your bills. Of course you can move back home when you're 49. (laughs) Thus perpetuating the cycle of irresponsibility. Why don't men want to take responsibility? Number one, we see in our scripture, there's laziness. Verse two, Saul was sitting under a pomegranate tree. You know why men don't want to be responsible? Is because it's easier for some men to let women run the show. Back in the garden, you'd have the wrong idea if you think that Adam was away, busy on the job, and he came back and his wife had had to let the devil in and... That wasn't it. Adam was there watching, but it's easier to let his wife deal with the serpent. 
because he had a hard day. He was tired. It's easier to play than work. It's easier to not have conflict because some of you have learned that when you begin to take responsibility, you discover that your wife, she'll fight you. She doesn't begin to weep and say, thank you, thank you. There's conflict. You begin to take responsibility. Your kids will manipulate you emotionally. And so it's easier to sit under the pomegranate tree of laziness. Pride is the second reason why men won't take responsibility. Some men are unwilling to risk their egos and look bad. Saul's under the pomegranate tree. He's not doing anything, but he's not losing either. That's the way he thinks. You know, some men, their pride makes them unwilling to try and to take responsibility. Because Luke 12, 48 says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So there are men that they live life, they won't risk, they won't rise. It was Saul that when he was chosen to be king, he was hiding in the baggage. In other words, I don't want people looking at me and expecting things from me. It's pride. Some men, their pride makes them unwilling to own up to their own failure. Some men don't want to look bad when they are bad. And some men, you gotta, you got to brain wrestle with them. They will fight and squirm and maneuver rather than just own up. Take responsibility. That's pride. Then, of course, there is blame. Because those who will not accept responsibility, of course, they have to try and shift responsibility onto others. This is Adam, the woman that you gave me. It was Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 24. I was afraid of the people, so I gave into them. Charles O'Byrne, who was a top aide to uh, uh, New York Governor David Patterson, he neglected to file tax returns for five years. His excuse, he suffers from a medical condition called late filing syndrome. <laughs> and that's caused by depression. Even though this depression didn't stop him from being a highly functional uh, professional or having an active social life, it, seemed, uh, it did seem to affect his ability to pay taxes for five years in a row. Hey, some of you pastors have late gold sheet syndrome, don't you? It's probably depression. Uh, that was free. I just threw that in. Proverbs 19.3 says, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? Let's talk secondly about the cost of irresponsibility. Gentlemen, you can live an irresponsible life, but it's not free. It costs. Number- Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, 
and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Number one, if you fail to take responsibility... Someone else has to. Refusing responsibility does not make responsibility go away. It just means somebody else has to take your responsibility. Verse 1, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let us go over to the Philistine garrison. But you see, that was Saul's responsibility. He was the one supposed to be doing that or leading that. This is true on the job. You know, there are some men that they are incredibly talented at not doing any work. They are incredibly talented at looking like they're working when they're not doing a single thing. And they're, they're good at They're tremendous, man. Bro, you know what? If you're good at not doing work, you know what? You lazy butt. Somebody else has to do your work for you. It, it doesn't go away. Marriage. You see, I, I, I'm, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I can't deal with the kids. Well, that's fine, but that means then your wife has to run the house. Now you just put a woman in charge. She's got to deal with the kid. It doesn't go away. Money. When you won't rein in your spending, discipline yourself. When you won't stick at your job, You know what that means? At some point, somebody else has to bail you out. Kids, you know what's a tragedy is that I see people that they're getting on in years and they have to raise the children that somebody won't take responsibility for. Their parents all over again, not by choice. Number two is if you fail to take responsibility, you fail to make progress. Verse two, Saul is sitting under the pomegranate tree. The enemy is in front of him. The will of God was to reclaim lost territory and move forward. But the problem is Saul is a picture of many men who are stuck in life. They're not moving ahead. They're not getting ahead. Nothing is changing. They're childish in their finances. Their financial position is not improving over time. They're stuck. 
They're going nowhere on the job because they've lived irresponsible. They will never be considered for promotion. Marriage. There are people that they are married and that is good, but the problem is in their marriage, it's not holy wedlock, it's unholy deadlock, isn't it? They're stuck, intractable. They're not going anyplace because they won't take responsibility. Then, of course, you can be spiritually stagnant in the same place year after year after year. There's a third thing. If you fail to take responsibility, you create conflicts. Let me tell you something, man. Nobody's happy with an irresponsible man. Irresponsible people, they leave a trail of conflict wherever they go. Verse 1 says he didn't tell his father. In other words, he knew this. What's the use? He's only going to come up with reasons not to, or he's going to get upset with me for wanting to change things. Listen, nobody's happy with an irresponsible man. Men, can I suggest something to you? Maybe your wife doesn't really ride a broom. Maybe she's just tired of your irresponsibility. Maybe your kids are not the most evil children in the world. Maybe they just don't respect you. Maybe it's not that your boss is just mean and picking on you. Maybe you're just irresponsible. Can I tell you something? No one respects irresponsible men or blamers. You ever ever hear somebody and they give elaborate excuses? They're they're tremendous. Some people tell me their excuses and I want to applaud. Oh, that that was a tremendous story. (laughs) Man, it wasn't, you see, because it was the weather and she... you know what? When someone gets done telling their excuse of why it's not my fault, when you get done listening to that story, you don't say, you know what? I would trust my life with you. I want to be like you. No, 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 no. Why didn't they go ask Saul? Because they didn't respect him. Because he wouldn't take responsibility. Our scripture, if you read on through the chapter, shows us that the irresponsible, in creating conflict, they always misinterpret other people. Irresponsibility always wind up making big deals out of small issues. We read here, Saul won't take responsibility. The battle starts without him. Then he winds up, he creates a command, no eating all day while you fight. That's, that's brilliant. Everybody else is like, they're dragging. Jonathan didn't hear that, so he eats honey. He's feeling good. And Saul's answer, we're going to kill Jonathan. What a wicked man eating honey. Can you imagine that? And the people have to say, we'll fight you if you do that because you create conflicts when you fail to take responsibility. Finally, if you fail to take responsibility, God will not bless you. 
Irresponsibility is displeasing to God. You can evade responsibility, but you will never experience the supernatural hand of God in your life. Saul's answer when the battle starts and he hears the noise, verse 18, after not taking responsibility, he says, bring the ark, let's pray. Do you know it's possible to sound spiritual while you disobey? You ever had somebody who look at you with a holy face and say, I'll pray about that. You lie. <laughs> Doesn't that sound good? Gentlemen, your prayer is pointless if you're not obeying. Don't bother. Your prayer is pointless if you're not taking responsibility. Joshua 7, the people have disobeyed and they got defeated. And Joshua 7, Joshua is on his face praying and God says, get up. Why are you laying on your face? It's not time to pray. Number one, there are things that you don't need to pray about. Should I be honest, Lord? You don't need to pray about this. Number two is prayer does not make up for disobedience. Prayer does not make up for irresponsibility. When Norman Vincent Peale was a boy, he found a big black cigar. Snuck into an alley and he lit it up, making him feel very, very grown up until he saw his dad coming. So Norman put the cigar behind his back. You know, kids are always, this is brilliant. Smoke is coming up behind his head, you know. (laughs) Dad will never smell this, you know. And so to distract his dad, he said, Dad, Look at that billboard. The circus is coming. Dad, can we go? His father said to him, Son, never make a petition while at the same time trying to hide a smoldering disobedience. Let's close. Let's talk about the blessing of taking responsibility. The problem in a scripture like this is there is no happy ending for Saul. Saul won't take responsibility. I'd love to be able to say, and then he repented at the men's rally. (laughs) Took responsibility, and they all lived happily ever. No. He never does take responsibility in his life, really. Oh, he'll have momentary, you got me, sorries. But he never would. You know what the sad lesson of Saul is? You can die irresponsible. You can die not blessed. You can die stuck right where you are. That's not what we want. So the contrast, of course, in our story is Jonathan. Verse 1, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let us go over to the Philistine garrison. In other words, Jonathan said, I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to do what I can do. And he didn't stop because of what he couldn't do or because of what others might not do. There there, there are men that it's like, you need to take responsibility. And they go, well, that's not really my job. Why do I have to do everything around here? That's not what Jonathan said. 
Why try in my marriage? I did try, Pastor. I said sorry one time and said, I'm going to try harder. And she didn't immediately begin to weep and fall at my feet and tear her clothes off and say, let's go to bed, baby. (laughs) So why should I try? That's not what Jonathan said. He didn't say, well, I can't fix my whole family or my whole workplace or the whole church. He didn't say, I'm in so deep financially, why pinch a few pennies? Responsibility, number one, says I can do something. I have a part to play. Verse 15, he climbed up on his hands and knees. He fought with those he could fight. I can do something. That's what responsibility does. Number two, responsibility involves honesty. You're only responsible when you face up to yourself, your part, and your sin. Nehemiah 1.6, here's the beginning of the great miracle. In the city of Jerusalem through Nehemiah's life, he said, I confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. It's me. And that began a miracle. Responsibility involves honesty. Number three, in responsibility involves risk. Verse six, he says, it may be that the Lord will help us. But there's no guarantees in life, gentlemen. I can't promise you if you walk in the door today and take responsibility with your wife, by tonight your marriage will be fixed. But it may be that the Lord will help you. You won't always win. You won't always look good. But responsibility involves risk. But our story gives a powerful promise. Taking responsibility pleases God. The scripture shows us something. Men who take responsibility, God will do more than you can ever do by yourself. If you will do the natural, God will do the supernatural. Verse 15, all the Philistine soldiers panicked. Those in the camp and those in the raiding party. The ground itself shook. God had caused the panic. (coughs) This is... What happens when men will take responsibility? Jonathan is going up, crawling on hands and knees. That's what I can do. I can fight with these men right in front of me. That's I can deal with them. And the Bible says something larger happens. He made his efforts great. The ground began to shake because God is pleased with responsibility. Nehemiah takes responsibility in chapter 1 for the nation's sin. And the Bible says the result is the wall was built in 52 days. You know, I see this over and over again. I see people that are horribly in debt. I have, I have letters in my files. Dear Pastor Mitchell, after you preach that sermon, I just want you to know I was $60,000 in debt. I was 90000 I have a letter in my files. I was 100 and $95,000 in debt. You know, when you owe 195 grand, 
Making a decision that saves you a dollar and a half. It's like, what's the point, right? This man said, me and my wife, we said we're going to take responsibility. And Pastor got and I am debt free. God did a miracle. <clears throat> I see men that when they finally stop shifting blame and they own up spiritually, they make progress. It's like they're new men. Because God got involved. Many years ago, I had a counseling session from hell. It was called counseling. It was not. They wanted me to be a boxing referee. And in this corner, all they wanted to do was argue about who is responsible and not really. It's your fault. No, it's not. I'm not. If you would, you won't. You never. Can we go home now? It's not fixing it. I predict bad things. The marriage split. He moved out. So this is not going to end well. Some weeks later, he showed up in a morning service and answered the altar call. After the service, he said, can I speak with you for a minute? I want to be honest with you. I was thinking of the last counseling session. It's like, okay. Because <laughs> I was ready for him to tell me how it's all his evil wife's fault. But it was a glorious counseling session because he walked in there. He said, it's me. I'm the problem. It's not her. I've been trying to shift it on her, but it's me. And I said, if you'll tell your wife that, live up to it. God will help you. Pray with them. He went out. They got back together. Some weeks later, I saw them walking out of church. Whereas before, it was the the looks of death. They're, They're holding hands. They're smiling. So much, it was so striking. I called them over and said, bro, what's happening? And he looked at me. He said, Pastor, you know what she said to me? She said, I'm proud of you. He floated to the car, I'm sure. (laughs) Because responsibility pleases God. Finally, taking responsibility is a key component of leadership. Interesting story, men, because not only does Jonathan get a miracle, he inspires his armor bearer to follow him. Verse 7, his armor bearer said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Men, do you know if you will take responsibility? Who knows but your wife, she might follow you. Your kids might follow you. You may get some disciples to follow you, but only if you take responsibility. What a, what a great blessing. You can inspire someone else to be more than they could ever be by themselves. Verse 22, and the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the mountains, they chased the enemy. <clears throat> I want to close with this. In 2011, Levi Strauss, they ran an ad for Docker's Pants. This is where the title of the sermon comes from. The title of this ad was A Manifesto. Once upon a time, men wore the pants and wore them well. Women rarely had to open doors, and little old ladies never had to cross the street alone. Men took charge because that's what they did. 
But somewhere along the way, the world decided it no longer needed men. Disco by disco, latte by foamy non-fat latte. (laughs) Men were stripped of their khakis and left stranded on the road between boyhood and androgyny. But today there are questions our genderless society has no answers for. The world sits idly by while cities crumble. Children misbehave and those little old ladies remain on one side of the street. For the first time since bad guys, we need heroes. We need grown-ups. We need men to put down the plastic fork, step away from the salad bar, and untie the world from the tracks of complacency. It's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to answer the call of manhood. It's time to wear the pants. (laughs) So I ask you men, when you leave today, are you going to wear the pants? Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.